everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Games, high school football games that have been moved to tonight because of the strong chance of rain tomorrow. I was looking at the uh, the forecast that I saw a little while ago. 80% chance of rain tomorrow, 60% chance of rain on Saturday. So there's a decent chance that a lot of football games are at least going to have rain. So uh, um, we'll, we'll keep you updated if there's anything other than that. But uh, we're here for the Thursday edition of The Drive. And the studio will, uh, I think the studio will be getting filled a little bit more as we move on. It's Bill, Dan, and Drew to get things started as Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer should be joining us um, unless something unless something happens here um, this afternoon. You can right? also text the show. No, I know. No, I'm going to do that. I'll just say different things just, and let yeah, Dan know, just jump in with his. That's right. Now, Drew is we can a, just pre-record that, Dan. We, oh yeah, we could. Oh yeah, no, we're live. We are as live as live gets here in the uh, in the studio. And Justin, I don't Ferguson, know. I've been liver. That's at true. Times, yeah, Bill's, 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 Bill's liveliness oh, has, man. Uh, has has dropped a, a, a little bit in the last couple of days. Although you know, it, it, I, I still I mean, think I am I am I am just I'm drinking something other than Coke because I need a little pep. You're perking. Oh, what? what well, wait a minute. Hold on. What is that? I've got the Pepsi. Okay. Okay. I yeah, was going to say you pep. That's what it's for, okay. right? You're drinking something other than Coke, and I can't I see said, what's. I, I can't other, see what's I in the cup. I said other than water. Did I not? You said other than Coke. Oh well, I, I, meant, thinking, I meant other than water. I, was, I shouldn't have even said Coke. <laughs> they're not a sponsor. So yeah, no, we're we're uh, we're, we're thrilled to be here uh, in the studio. We're going to talk to Justin Ferguson shortly, like you said, and yeah, another home game, second of five straight uh, for Auburn uh, coming up on Saturday mm-hmm. night. Hopefully, the weather doesn't. Uh, impact it too yeah, greatly. You yeah. know, I, I don't think we need to start the season with two games with lightning delays and the uh, the, the lightning delay on Saturday. I, I really thought that. I mean, luckily the game wasn't still really in question when the when no, the game no, was called. No, not was, at all. It was thirty-five to seven. Yeah, thirty-five to seven at the point of the delay. So it wasn't. Uh, it, it was. It wasn't as though it, it threw. You know, it, it ruined. Uh, the, the chance of a of, of a thrilling finish or anything like that, but it does it does really wreck the the rhythm of, of a football game. When yeah, you pull besides, off. I know, and safety first, I understand, yeah. but you got you got to pull them off. But yeah, not ninety minutes. You know, you, you take a team off the field for ninety minutes. You, you know, it's it's uh it, it's tough to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so hopefully that isn't a factor. Yes, uh, uh, we're underway here in the in the studio on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, J- uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer uh, making his way in. Let's let you know that hour number one, as usual, brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. They're also the sponsor of our hotline, where we uh, welcome you, our listeners, and guests that can't be with us in the studio. We'll have a couple of guests joining us on the Kia of Auburn hotline today. Scott Bagwell, voice of Auburn High School football, is going to be joining us in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes. And we'll preview the Tigers as they uh, look to remain unbeaten as they take on the Jeff Davis Vols this weekend. So we'll talk with Scott uh, this hour We've got David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga joining us at the start of hour number two. We'll get David's thoughts on um, looking back at week one of the 
SEC season, really. Every well, Vandy, it was week two, but uh, and and looking ahead toward this week. And your calls in between on the Kia of Auburn hotline, you can get through by calling three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, Podcast of the Drive, available however you get your podcasts, or go to RadioAlabama.net and check out the Podcast Center on the ESPN 106.7 page. And uh, as we mentioned, Justin Ferguson joining us here in the uh, studio. Justin, how you doing, man? I'm all right. All right. Uh, got a little traffic on the way in. So. There's, there's, there is some traffic. There is yeah. some traffic, but uh, yeah, good, good to be here, good to... You know, we're in football season, full swing now. Um, so yeah. NFL starts tonight. NFL starts tonight. Looking forward to that. The Bills and the Rams should be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, you, you were mentioning um, Auburn High, you know, when we talked to Scott. Um, I was there last week covering the game for, for OA. I'll be there tomorrow night as well. So looking forward to the Auburn High. They've they gotten off to a really good start. And, They're pretty good. And then, they'll, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Auburn University gets another game, which I think will be very similar to the Mercer game. Um, you know, on uh, on Saturday night, hopefully without the lightning delay, that'd be helpful. How does the uh, how does the AP thing work? Do you are, are you doing multiple Auburn games for the Associated Press? So, you wrote the, you wrote yeah. the game story this past weekend for the AP. I, I wrote the game story, so yeah, this might be a little too inside baseball, but Ooh. John Zener is right. uh, the AP writer. He's he's done it for a while here in the states. Great, uh, I love mm-hmm. John. And when I was in college, Big I, Z as we all call him. Yeah, I used to run quotes for him um, and when I was in college and. Um, he covers both Alabama and Auburn. He's kind of he's the state's uh, lead guy, and, and so when Alabama's at home, since they're the number one team in the poll, he's usually at Alabama. Uh, obviously, that's not going to be the case this week. So he'll be uh, he should be in Auburn. So I'm not covering the game for AP Saturday night, oh, cool. but whenever Zener's in Tuscaloosa and Auburn's at home, uh, I, I cover for him, and that's what I did last week with the uh, Santa. Uh, I'm sorry, with the Mercer game, and I'll do a few more. I think I'm actually doing Penn State next week. You'll, uh, but you'll still be paying attention to this Saturday's game, even if you're not covering it for the Associated Press, because oh, you do absolutely. you do a great job with the Auburn Observer as it uh, it just uh, celebrated its uh, its three year uh, an- anniversary, right? I mean, two year, uh, well, two year anniversary, entering it's year into the th- it's right. year three yeah. now. That's right, in, in right. the year three, and uh, entering entering the third year uh, for the starting season three mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, with, with the Auburn Observer and. Uh, you actually had a uh, you had a you had a football game to break down th- this past. I had weekend. a football you, game to break down, and we've written a lot about it at the Observer. You had the film room on the quarterbacks. Did a story on Auburn's running backs uh, earlier this week. Um, also on the defense, kind of areas where they need to improve from week one to week two. Uh, and then we had our preview podcast earlier today. Uh, myself and Painter breaking down the uh, the San Jose State game and also the little Auburn basketball towards the end of that as well with the SEC schedule coming out yesterday. So, um, yeah, all that's at the Observer. we got a huge uh, mailbag coming out tomorrow, uh, one of the biggest ones I've written so far this year because uh, there was a ton of questions about this Auburn team heading into week two. Uh, and obviously, a lot of attention on the quarterbacks. So, so let's start. Let's start with uh, with what sort of. I mean, not to spoil the mailbag too much, but what's mm. what are the what are the big pressing questions uh, in the minds of I, you or or your your just, you know your observer readers uh, going into week two? I think I think a lot of people want to know like what's going to happen to quarterback, right? And you know, I, I don't see Auburn making anything right, like a rash decision or anything like that. Don't overreact to an FCS game, but like I would imagine. You know, T.J. Finley remains as the starting quarterback, um, and Robbie Ashford. I think you'll see a little bit more of Robbie Ashford this week. Uh, what I'm interested in seeing is Robbie Ashford when he gets into the game early on. Does he throw? 
you know, when he came in until the second half, it was right. all kind of runs. Well, and he'd just come in, and he wouldn't come in and stay for an entire series. He'd maybe get a couple plays that, or that's something what, like that. That's what I'm thinking. It just feels like this would be a great opportunity mm-hmm. to see if he can take that next step. Come in, yeah. run with the ones uh, fairly early, third, fourth series, something like that, and see how a series goes. And the thing that uh, impressed me the most about Auburn's offense in relation to the quarterbacks at the game on Saturday against Mercer was the fact that they were sw- switching them out in drives and it was still working. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing is, is that the the three drives where TJ Finley was the only quarterback out there were three not great drives from Auburn. And on top of that, you know, Robbie Ashford runs, it breaks off that big run on the second drive. Two plays later, TJ Finley checks back in and rips a really good ball downfield to Javarius Johnson. Which so I mean so the fact that those guys can go back and forth and you didn't feel like the flow of the offense was affected too much you didn't feel like the communication or anything like that that's interesting but also um, you got to keep in mind Brian Harson and, and and members of this staff have been in this situation before where they've used a quarterback like T.J. Finley and a quarterback like Robbie Ashford working them together um, to to be successful and it's not you know. I think there were people this week who were like, well, don't we remember what happened in 2016 with Auburn? And it's like, that doesn't feel like the same well, situation. 2016 then, felt like we were just trying to find who's going to be right. the guy. And, and, and Brian Harson has successful experience yeah. in doing this. That, that's the thing. If he'd never had a situation like this, right, then you'd right. go, well, is it going to work? But it, but it has worked for him before. So it's not like he's a stranger to doing this. That doesn't mean that, that he wouldn't love to have it be. Oh, yeah. One man, one guy being the man. Yeah, if 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 he had you know a guy who was locked in as, you know, by far the best option and and the best thing for Auburn's offense was to have one guy and it be just one guy. That's what he would do. But I think the way with T.J. Finley right now, where you know he is he is your top quarterback, but he is not far and away so much better that you can't you don't want to take any snaps away from him. Um, and the fact that Robbie Ashford is new. You know, to in-game experience in the college level, he does bring a different dimension to uh, the offense. It's like, why not try to figure out ways? I, I like it. I mean, he said it on Monday. We do the same thing at wide receiver and linebacker and yeah. all these other positions. Why not quarterback? And he's a quarterback guy. It would be different if it was a defensive coach saying, like, oh, we'll just throw guys well, around and see that. He, he knows the position, and yet he still has his philosophy, which is very rare. But like you said... He's made it work before, and and the other thing that, that we've talked about, and I'm, uh, it would be a lot tougher to understand if they had the same skill sets. Yeah, I mean, exactly. if you had, if you exactly. had two guys that did the same thing, yeah. and you're going back and forth, that feels like well, you really don't know uh, if one is is going to be effective or not. You're just right. throwing them out there. This is, you know, it's not going to be completely different playbooks, but. It's completely different looks and mm-hmm. things the defense has to be concerned with. Yeah, and and if you're about this offense this year, which is going to be maximizing the amount of ways you can attack a defense, you know the Auburn's not an offense where they do one thing super super well and they can just do that, right? This is, offense is going to try to hit you with the variety, hit you with the multiplicity. That's that's going to be their thing. So why not do that? At the quarterback spot as well. I mean, how many wide receivers got into the game on Saturday? How many? Uh, nine yeah. that I counted. And not all of them got targets. And didn't not... include Landon King. Right. I meant to look up the snap count in the first half for the two quarterbacks because I do wonder if with the first the way it was used in the first half, TJ. Oh, I, I, you, I, I would guess it was half. was it seventy five eighty percent TJ in, yeah. in, in the oh, first at half? least. In the first I mean, half. the idea of TJ taking eighty percent of the snaps yeah, and Robbie Ashford not throwing. I mean, did did Rob did Robbie run a play? 
more than one play in the first half when he wasn't the ball carrier. I believe every you had the believe every had a play, couple of handoffs, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, tank, so Robbie Robbie ran maybe ten had maybe ten snaps in the right. first half. So so I do wonder. And he ended you know, up with twenty six. You know, if, so. if, if, if there's he had seven. If yeah, there's okay. a, yeah. So I do wonder if you know if, if there's a belief that TJ playing the majority of the time and Robbie Ashford coming in to spark the run game could be the plan at least in the short term because that's what they did in the first half against Mercer mm-hmm. and, and TJ didn't throw or Robbie didn't throw a pass uh, at the same time there is a crucial difference between this situation in 2017 which is that the running quarterback in 2017 was, uh, in 2016 no, no 17 the, the the Boise State oh i thought you were talking about the, cru- no, the, yeah, the yeah, crucial yeah. difference between this and the and the Boise State situation in 2017 is that the running quarterback at Boise State was a fifth year senior who mm-hmm. had started for four years and wasn't someone that you were trying right. to work into his first taste of college football and he, action. And he got he got several series, you know, right. in that first game when they played Troy. And there was a lot more profile on what he had done. I mean, there's, there was far yeah. more tape on what he had done as a college football quarterback and what he could and couldn't do. With Robbie Ashford, I do think a lot of this is an experiment. Yeah, let's see and, what and, he can and, do. And, and seeing, you know, seeing what, what you can roll up the flagpole. It, it, does, it does feel like with TJ, you know, we've been saying all week, if if he's going to continue to be the the first guy, he's got to maintain a considerable advantage as a passer yep. over Robbie Ashford. Yes. Otherwise, because if he's in the neighborhood, what Robbie can yep, do right. as a runner will put him over the top. And and turnovers will yeah, turnovers tur- are huge. Turnovers are, are a big and, difference there because that can taint what was I mean right. a really really sharp quarter and seventy what a, 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 almost two quarters. I mean you, until he, that last he, four he minutes. He hit eight straight passes at one point and looked good, mm-hmm. and it was a variety of them. Yeah, the two interceptions were bad and like interceptions are huge huge period um anytime brian harson's talked about quarterbacks this week the first thing he's brought up is the interceptions uh when it comes to cj friendly so and, and that's the interesting thing because i think a lot of people want to um say well you know tj's always been like this or whatever it's like tj finley only threw one pick last year right like this was this was kind of rare for him to do and that was did. that was with a bad foot in the alabama game Right, right. So last yeah. year, yeah, yeah. So last year, it was T.J. Finley was inconsistent as a passer, yes. inaccurate as a passer, but he didn't turn the ball over. Against Mercer, he was fairly consistent and accurate, and then he turned the ball over twice. Right. So it right. is, it is a difference. It is, it is something where you, you, you know, it wasn't great, but you did see a change. You did see a difference from what you saw last season from Finley. You got the full spectrum of, of Finley on Saturday because I thought the deep ball to VAR was one of the better passes he's yeah. thrown in an Auburn uniform. Oh, for and sure. And then the deep ball that got intercepted in the second half was you know in the bottom mm-hmm. 5% or so of the oh, throws yeah. that he's made as, open as, an, man, as open, an Auburn quarterback. Well, not open man, but like he could have made that throw and made that play. Just the mechanics, if he was coming off his back foot, he undershot it. We, we've been saying, I, I'm far more in a mood to excuse the first pick. Not excuse completely, because you know you still don't yeah, want to turn was, it over. he was forcing it. Yeah, third, right. third and 18, you know, there's a lot and of situational. You're dis- feeling good. Situational. You've, you've, you've been playing well, oh, man, you, you force that. You're, you're, you're a uh, holding call away from being up being you know, oh, yeah. being inside the twenty, about to go up thirty five, well, nothing. And that's the other thing about like people say, "Well, Auburn didn't cover," blah blah blah, and it's like, yeah, you know, the defense needs to tighten up down the stretch. Seek, but like, if help. that weird, if that yeah, weird yeah, rough in the punter call doesn't happen, that, that drive an goes hour away. and a half yeah. weather delay. I mean, how how I wouldn't be surprised. At focused all. are you right. when you come back from an hour and a half weather delay when when you're up twenty eight and your first play you score a touchdown? I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn scored more points this weekend against San Jose State and looked better against San Jose State. I also don't think San Jose State's that much better than Mercer if they are. I, 
they've got dudes like Cordero is a good is a good like experienced Mountain West quarterback, a little inconsistent, but he makes some big plays. He got sacked seven times to Portland State. Yeah, and they could, seven times. And 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 San Jose State didn't have a ton of success running the ball either. That's the one thing where it's like. Talent wise, they should San Jose State should be a step up, mm-hmm. but they've got such a glaring weakness with that offensive line from what we saw in Week One against Portland State, where that could that can turn into blowout territory if Auburn's defensive front just mashes them. If they don't, if they then don't, I'm a little you, concerned yeah. because they they weren't overwhelming last week. They got, week good, pre- they got good pressure; they just didn't sack right. guys a lot. Um, did a great job stopping the run. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, yeah, get some sacks, right? I don't think you have to necessarily say, well, if you don't get seven sacks, it's a disappointment. No, no. But, you, need you better be some. chasing the guy all over the field and, and, <laughs> they and got, dominating. Up they front. got good pressure though, for sure. The, the 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 actual pressures they put on the quarterback were good. They just got to get him into sacks more often. We need to get to our first break of the afternoon. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. A. The drive continues. 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 The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. And uh, we'll get to the Kia of Auburn hotline right now and welcome in the voice of the Auburn High School Tigers, and that is Scott Bagwell. Scott, how are you doing today? Good. How's everybody doing? Uh, well, we're, we're getting closer to the weekend, so it's always it's always better than, <laughs> uh, than, than the last day or two. Even though... You know, they, they, there weren't classes on Monday. It still feels like uh, this week is sort of dragged. Yeah, it, it, it's the longest three-day work week I think I've had in a while. Yeah, tough, tough man. That is tough, the three-day work thoughts week. And, thoughts and prayers, yeah, Scott. Man, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's breaking my heart knowing that Scott, uh, you know. Uh, three, three, days, three days is a lot for me. I shouldn't talk. So, they, no, but, but Scott, yeah, it's. You're uh, not kidding about that. Scott, no, it's, hey, hey you know, I, I do what I can. So. <laughs> Scott, the uh, the, the Auburn yeah, little as you can. Su- successful uh, sometimes successful uh, home opener for the Auburn High School Tigers on Friday night. Uh, what did you uh, what did you see out of the uh, out of the team as they uh, remain undefeated? I thought the biggest thing was Auburn came out ready to go. Um, you know, it was a, it's a home opener. There's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, a, a team that that didn't have a lot of expectations coming in and dosing and Auburn didn't let them hang around. They got out. Got out to a fast start. Defense played well. Offense had a couple of one-play drives, two-play drives. Got all over Dothan, and then um, uh, didn't didn't let them get settled. Didn't didn't let it become a game. And um, no no foot off the uh, gas this time. As uh, against Enterprise and Hoover, when Auburn got a two-score lead in the second half, there was a comeback, and nothing like that this time. Auburn kept the foot down and uh, played well in all three facets, and uh, and got a win. Sounded like uh, quite quite a few youngsters got an opportunity to get in the game as well. Yeah, and uh, that's something um, that uh, coach was happy with. Uh, they would have liked to get more in, but it was a running clock in the fourth quarter, and um, even through a timeout. So uh, hmm. it was just uh, one of those things where you wanted to get more, but it didn't happen. Um, and Auburn High has a big JV schedule this year, and the reason for that is to get. The young guys keep them playing, even if they aren't getting Friday night snaps. They're getting 
snaps early in the week, um, and I know that more than a handful of them got to play two games last week, got to play the, the one game on Monday and then got to play on a Friday night as well. All right, uh, uh, as we're... You know, nearly a third of the way through the regular season. Uh, th- thus far, things seem to really be clicking. What What are the areas that uh, that need a little fine tuning as, uh, as as we head to the middle stretch? I think the the thing that you're going to pay attention to is Auburn. You know, can Auburn win a state championship? Because you know that's that's the goal, and um, and Auburn has the talent and the team to be in that conversation. How is Auburn going to be able to move the ball against the defenses that are going to stack the box, put seven, eight guys in the box, and look at the passing game? Go, all right, y'all do something. Um, and uh, how is Auburn going to be able to stop the pass? Because, you know, against Enterprise, their athletes were able to create some mismatches. And, and one play built on each other, built on each other, built on each other. And then, you know, next thing you know, Auburn gives up 233 passing yards on really about – you know, the majority of those came on four completions. So that's, I think that's the two areas that kind of stick out of when you start sizing this team up on, on how they can compete against the Centrals and the Thompsons of a, is how are they going to be able to pass the ball? How are they going to be able to defend the pass? Scott, is there, is there anything that you weren't sure about going into this season or anything you were really curious about that's looked great through the, uh, through the first couple of weeks? I was curious about the defensive line, um, just because you replace a couple of guys and you you got guys in there that are, are now becoming everyday players as or every down players as as opposed to just being rotators. Defensive line has been really really good, especially interior with Deuce uh, Deuce White and Jordan Reese. Um, those two guys have really not only have they have they kept the linebackers clean and let those guys go and make plays, they've made plays themselves. I think Jordan Reese is the only guy that had an interception on the defense this year, and he's a deep tackle. Um, I know that's an area that Auburn High wants to improve. They want to get more turnovers. Um, but um, the defensive line has been uh, been really, really good. And, and offensively, I, I had a high expectations, and I think Auburn has, has pretty much matched or exceeded those. Offensive line has been really good. The backs have been solid. Quarterback play has been really good. And the receivers are making some plays. You know, when you replace your top two pass catchers and combine, they had over 20 touchdowns and, and I think close to 90 catches. Um, you know, that, that area is a question mark, but, but all the receivers have stepped up and played really well so far. All right. Uh, Jeff Davis coming up tomorrow night. Give us a little uh, scouting report for the Vols. Oh, the they're Vols. athletic and they're going to be well coached. Um, you know, they went to Opelika a couple of weeks ago and they hung around with the Bulldogs for the first half into the second half. Um, it, it's one of those teams that if Auburn doesn't show up, uh, kind of a lot like Dothan, if, if you allow them to hang around and give them um, some confidence, then next thing you know, in the fourth, in the second half and fourth quarter, you're in a game. You know, look at last week. It was a pretty big upset, Smith Station over Prattville, and that was a game that Smith hung around and then won and and was the better team in the second half and won 30 or 30 to 21 um so it, it's one of those things where you're at home you're expected to win you need to go out there and do what you're supposed to do and, and, and get the win and that's probably going to be the message this week and next week against lee before the opalike game is, is hey we need to go out and take care of what we need to do and we'll be fine yeah, that and just yeah, just just stay focused. You know, keep everything moving. You don't want to take a step back. Yeah, and um, 
you know, I, I think the message is pretty clear to this team. You have a senior class, um, even with the, some of the additions, like Brady Jordan when he was a freshman, won state uh, when he was at Oxford. But this senior class is, is full of almost, you know, they should have won state as, as sophomores and didn't. Um, they, they had a chance to beat IMG last year and didn't, and they had a chance to beat Central in the Final Four and didn't. This is their last chance. I think that this group of seniors is locked in. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of them starting on both sides of the ball. I think they grasp, but they, this is their last, last swing at it and they want to go out and, um, and they don't want to leave, leave anything in the bag. Looking forward to it. Another weekend where both uh, Auburn High and Auburn University in town. Uh, so, so hopefully it'll be a good crowd. Hopefully the weather um, yeah. holds off and isn't too big of a factor. Yeah, that's been one of the kind of the big storylines across the state. Is at some point in time yesterday, somebody went out and counted it, and there were almost as many games being played on Thursday night across the state as there are being played tomorrow night across the state. Hopefully the weather uh, the weather does uh, cooperate, and if you know if it does, go on GoFan and, and find some tickets. Come out and watch the team. If not, obviously we'll have all the action for you. Six thirty airtime, seven o'clock kick, all on Wings ninety four three. Looking forward to it, Scott. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, best of luck uh, tomorrow night with the uh, the weather and the broadcast. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one. All right, Scott Bagwell joining us again. Yep, Auburn High looking to go four and zero. Tomorrow, as they host Jeff Davis, the number two team in the state, I believe. Yeah, I think uh, four teams from the region ranked in the top ten. Wow. Yeah, I mean it. It is a uh, it, it, it's a battle royale. You got I think Opelika and Central this weekend. Yeah, Opelika and Central. Night. Absolutely. Yeah, you got you got some good high school football in the area. Kidding. A lot of it tonight, like you said, because of the weather. But some really good ones tomorrow night as well. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. Turn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Drew at the controls and our phone lines are open. We'd love for you to join in. Give us, you know, uh, if you haven't had a chance, we can still talk a little about last week. But, I mean, let's let's talk about what you are thinking you're going to see, what you'd mm-hmm. like to see for this weekend after what you saw last week. Before we get back specifically uh, into Auburn, though, Justin. I mean, just some thoughts from from the the full weekend this past weekend. There were some fun games, yeah. some interesting games. There were some blowouts. Um, I, I've asked a couple of people just have your perceptions on any of the teams changed after after one game. I know some people just go wildly back and forth, but uh, I mean, there are a couple of teams that I thought. Did, weren't as impressive as I thought they'd be, but I haven't written them off yet. Uh, I don't know that. I guess Florida was Florida was Florida's more impressive than I one. thought. Yeah, Florida's probably the one. Um, I, I'll say this: you know, somebody asked me for the mailbag, like, "What's my big takeaway?" 
we didn't need any more proof, but we can get it until USC starts going and we can see him. Like, we don't have to pay attention to the Pac-12 as, as a legitimate football conference. We just don't. You know, if one of your best teams goes and gets hammered like they did against... If they are, yeah, if they're one of the best teams in the Pac-12... And for Utah, like, that's, that's I, li- I like Utah. I think Utah's, I think Utah's going to be a really good team this year. But if your preseason conference favorite goes to a team that is hitting the reset button and they lose... Close game, really good game. That says a lot as well because for a team like Florida, going off of what they inherited basically and changing a lot about their program, when it's just it, the talent over on this side of the country. If is so Florida's much if Florida's hitting the reset button, Kentucky loses on Saturday though. Like if Florida's hitting because Kentucky's a top twenty five SEC team. So if 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 Utah, I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. But but Kentucky needs to go there and lose too, right? Yeah, but otherwise, K- Kentucky only beat them by seven last year when Florida was supposedly you know when Florida was in the wait, process. If Florida's of hitting make a the change. reset button, Kentucky should win. That's right. That's what I mean. Yeah, Kentucky, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kentucky should win because if Kentucky, no, I, I, as a because, program, as a program, if, they're hitting the reset. Button. If you're gonna, but it's yeah, just, yeah, if, if you're gonna say, oh well, the, you know, that's a terrible loss by Utah. No, I didn't then, say. Yeah, I, didn't, no. I, I didn't say it was a terrible loss by Utah. It, show, it The point is, is that the talent that you're dealing with in the SEC and over in this is just different. So a team that is changing a lot can beat your your right. perceived favorite coming in. It says a lot. It, it just says a lot. Like Florida is going to be good. Uh, pretty much every year because they are in the state of Florida and that talent level is just going to be different. Um, but yeah, it's, we'll see what USC is capable of. Um, you know, just because of the talent they've They're got. They're the best shot in the playoff for, for right, that conference for sure. now. Yeah, for sure. But people, until people we say can, Utah, we had somebody earlier this week say, oh, Utah wins Utah's out and watch out. In. It's like, that's yeah, no. that's where that might be a, a damaging loss because. Yeah. There was a 12 team. We'll if we had 12, yeah. they, they, they had, they'd oh, have a decent sure. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, I, I don't think so. Dan, though, to your point, I think Florida did reset. I still think they beat Kentucky. Um, it's at home, right? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's, it's in, in, it's in yeah. Gainesville. Florida's, I mean, Florida's lost two straight to Kentucky now, right? Didn't is, they? It, yeah. is it two straight now? Yes, they I have. So. Yeah. I still, and I think Florida's more talented. I like, I like Mark Stoops. I just think that Florida right now, Man, I, Anthony Richardson looked good. Yes, that's my point. I mean, I, yeah. the, the point is that I think Florida might have been better than your average unranked. Oh yes, team better than a reset. Than, it's, it's, yes. easy, it's easy to forget that Florida is less than a year removed away from being in the top ten. Right, like they they, mm-hmm. they were a top ten team early in the twenty twenty one season before everything fell apart for Dan Mullen. So it's, I mean, I think that the the Oregon thing is to me the more interesting one because I'm interested to see they didn't look competitive if at that's all. if that's a if that's a this is a disaster after Mario. Cristobal left because a lot of the key figures left with him and they're in a total like that is that a total reset or is that Georgia having a operational yeah. you know weapon of mass well, destruction as their football team right, right and I think it's just the whole thing with Georgia is like they lost a lot but it's still Georgia I mean they're recruiting Georgia I mean Georgia looked they looked awesome so good yeah and one day, people are going to give Stetson Bennett his credit. Oh, the, there are a few that are doing it now. It's like the dude's a good quarterback. He is. He's yeah. not. He's a really good college quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. People don't need to get too wrapped up into. But the he's NFL. not going to be a first yeah. round draft pick. Shoot, how many Ohio State quarterbacks were, were not NFL quarterbacks, but like won championships mm-hmm. there? Like you can do that. It's still okay. We don't have to be obsessed with what guys are going to do at the next level. You know, for for them to necessarily be good. I mean, you know, Manzel, Aaron, Manzel is going to end up being one of the best examples of that. Yeah, Aaron Murray's got a bunch of Aaron, I mean, Murray, Aaron Murray's Aaron yeah. Murray's numbers are awesome. Aaron, in Georgia. Aaron Murray's one of the you know by the numbers one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the conference. And I don't recall 
him having Stafford's a long really the only hey, one that's is made Tim that Tebow in the NFL Hall of Fame. Sure, that's I mean, I, I mean, I, come on. I, guess I mean, the, you want a great you you want a great quarterback for your team, yeah, whatever level it is. The difference you know? though with the difference between Stetson and I think some of these Ohio State guys or Tebow or even Manziel was that while those guys were in college, people were saying, "Oh, hey, they're." they're I mean, Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel were first round picks. Yeah, exactly. Like and, people and, were they, thinking, and they were everybody. Everybody yeah. in the country wanted them. They were one of the most highly sought after recruits. Stetson Bennett was not. No. Yeah, but that isn't holding Georgia back right no, now. The not notion at all. That, the notion that Stetson Bennett was, you know, maybe a, a nondescript recruit and and doesn't a walk, have a walk on yeah, walk on isn't perceived to have a big NFL future. Despite that, uh, it's it's not holding Georgia's offense back at all. And that's you know in part because he's played so much college football and he's gotten so good uh, over the last few years, and in part because they've recruited like. Yeah. You know, Man, like, like how, few programs, and they've got a, a ton of talent. How many how many Auburn fans would take another another Nick Marshall, a guy who like had no chance to be a quarterback in the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, was going to play defensive back for his professional career wherever it ended up. Now, I, I my thing there though is just like we'll see, and maybe USC will just have that recruiting you know power. But I mean, again, they're also going to the Big Ten here in in, in the near future. But it's just like the Pac twelve, like. It's just oh, it's a second tier league now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a different sport, man. Like it just, it just is. And I think when the Big Ten loses Texas and Oklahoma, they're going to be in that same boat as well. It's just, I don't. I oh, it's don't. even. I think it's even. Ooh, is it even worse? I mean, I would think Oregon has had more success than any of those remaining Big Twelve programs. And they're maybe. bringing in. But Baylor's in the top. In Baylor's in the top yeah. ten. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, think about Baylor. I mean, they've they like I, I would take like I would take Baylor right now over U.S. Or for over Oregon and Utah. Like I'd I'd rather see them play in a big game because. At least I feel like they. I, my point with with that is like go back to 2018 and 2019 for Auburn. Okay, those are two teams that did not win a championship for for Auburn for Auburn football that, <laughs> and weren't really contenders. 19 was a good team though. Um, they beat the Pac-12 champions, right? It's just when these teams. Well, like, I think we can agree that Florida's probably going to be a mid-tier team in the SEC this year. Pro- like if they if they hit. Yeah, they could go up there, but like they're probably like what twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen Auburn were. It's like could be a pretty good team, but you're not expecting them to win a championship this season. And right. for them to beat your perceived favorite, and for like Auburn to beat Oregon and Washington, it's there's just a difference. There's there's a difference, and um, we'll see if USC can be any different. Just because Lincoln Riley is a different type of coach, and they're going to try to do some things that you know just the Pac twelve doesn't and, have, and they're playing Pac twelve defenses. I mean, yeah, I think, uh, and like a lot of people want to throw off on Bo. Like Bo had a bad game against or uh, against Georgia. Well, guess what? A lot of quarterbacks are going to have bad games against Georgia. I, I would imagine this season, unless something goes wrong here in the next few weeks, I would imagine he puts up some pretty good numbers against Pac-12 defenses. Mm-hmm. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll be fine. But you know, wild that they did not even look at Ty Thompson. Yeah, if, well, if oh, they if no they're, kidding. I mean that that's where the I think that we we have an idea. Oregon, we have an idea. Georgia's pretty good. We'll see what Oregon ends up being in conference play this year, and and maybe they end up. Maybe it's just a, a demonstration of how great Georgia is. What what happened on maybe. Saturday? It or, may be, or maybe there are some problems there in Eugene in the aftermath because they also went through a coaching change, and we've seen before. You know, you can you can seemingly have things rolling, and a coach can move on, and a new guy can come in. It could be a bad fit. There's some transition, and, and and things you know things can take time. So we'll see what happens with Oregon. But yeah, it does seem like Georgia is. Uh, a team that that you got to be you got to be real careful with right now because they're they're as good as I, we had we had somebody ask earlier in the week Justin like would you have a problem with would you have a problem with somebody voting Georgia number one no I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't have a problem with no it. I mean they're defending national champs and they blew out uh, that Oregon team so no I wouldn't have a problem I wouldn't have a problem with 
moving Alabama back up. If they put an Alabama number one next week, though, if they blow out Texas, like right, I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if they do. Like I've never voted in the football poll, um, so it's kind of armchair. I mean, I did it for basketball for multiple years, but it's like, yeah, I'm fine with it. Like, what did we just see? Yeah. Because if you're keeping Alabama ahead right now, it's Alabama ahead of Georgia right now is just well, they return more people. I think they will. I be. think yes. they will be. Yes. But if what your eyeballs tell you is like, man, this team's really good, yeah, go for it. Like, you know, that that shouldn't be an issue at all. Um, But, you know, we'll see. I I think Alabama kills Texas this weekend, but I think Alabama's going to... Hard to think they don't. I think Alabama's going to kill a lot of people this weekend, or this uh, this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just going to... That's just how it is, uh, the class of the of college football. And, And even still, Alabama and Georgia, I would love to see what Alabama and Georgia would do at a place like Notre Dame. Because uh, Ohio State did not have the offensive success that a lot of people thought they were going to in that game. But I also think Marcus Freeman's an awesome defensive coach, and they're going to figure some things out on offense. But for them to keep that game as competitive and as close as it was, um, I thought it was a pretty good sign for Notre Dame. And also maybe a sign that you know, we'll see if Ohio State – because it's been Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia in some order as like they're far and away the best teams in college football heading into this season. Does Ohio State deserve to stay up there? You know, but I think Notre Dame's a better team than Oregon, and they're obviously a better team than Utah yeah, State. Yeah, I, I don't think it's much. And question they'll probably, about that. and they're probably going to be a better team than, than Texas is. So after these first couple of tests for these teams, where do do we still see Ohio State in that pecking order? I, I'm interested to see because I think Clemson's not in there. I think Clemson showed against Georgia Tech on Monday night that they're not there. No, I mean they've got a lot of talent, but no, that defense is good. And they might have something cooking with that backup quarterback, but I don't. Dabo's stake so much into. Trying to prove everybody that that DJ's a really good quarterback. That I don't know if he's going to go to the go to the other guy that quickly. Do you have strong feelings outside of Alabama and Georgia about any any team in the SEC being really good? I know there's uh, you know it, it, you don't want to be you don't want to overreact to week one, uh, but but after like who, do you do you feel like there's a clear cut third best team in the league or a team no. that you feel like is is uh, is, no. is in is within striking distance? Of the two I mean, make? I think there are a half dozen teams that, that yeah. could make yeah. a run. I mean, Tennessee's offense is going to is fun. Yeah, they're really fun. Florida, you were talking about. I mean, Florida's got Kentucky. A lot of people had Kentucky being that second best team in the East. We'll see after this weekend when the they buzz, go down to game. I think the buzz will go to whoever wins that game. The point I would uh, love to see. I would love to see still, Tennessee. Like I said, there's still Tennessee out there too, would, as far in the East. I would love to see. What Tennessee does against? I mean, they play Pitt. Yeah, um, that's going to be a, that's going to be a fun game. Should be a really fun game. So interested to see what they do with Pitt. Um, and to your point about to your point about Utah, two things. One, like I was trying to make earlier, if if Kentucky drubs Florida in in Gainesville, then yeah, it does look terrible for Utah to have gone there and lost as the perceived best team mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. Because, like you said, no, nobody's got Kentucky as as the best team in the SEC. So if, if if Kentucky goes there a week later and and you know beats beats Florida thoroughly, that is a that's a really I think it makes the Utah. You, you loss. think that's a possibility? No, I, don't, I don't. I don't, I don't see that. Don't it, see it, that it, it is at a remote possibility. It would. It would need. To, it, I think if Florida's if Florida's defense broke down, but no, after what I saw last week, no, it doesn't. It doesn't seem. Hey, it seems like a remote possibility. Keep in mind. Keep in mind. And this is my whole thing about about Kentucky. If Kentucky beats Florida this weekend, I believe this is only the second ranked SEC team Stoops has beaten at Kentucky. Now it, in the Kentucky's, East, you don't get very many right. opportunities, but like. It'd be Kentucky's third win over Florida in my lifetime. I think third in a row. Yeah, well, yeah maybe, maybe four then. Maybe they maybe yeah. four because they and their broke best the one in. and their best one because like you know mm-hmm. they haven't beaten Georgia when they were really good and they had not beaten Florida when they were really good. We'll see what the, what Tennessee looks like this year. Is it also is it also true the point you're making about Utah and Florida? If Tennessee goes to Pittsburgh, where is that game? Is that game in Knoxville? Or Pittsburgh? Nuts. Yeah. 
the game's no, in, no, no, it's in Pittsburgh. It's in at Pittsburgh. Pitt. Yeah. yeah. If Tennessee goes to Pittsburgh, the reigning ACC champion, and drubs them as a seven-win SEC team from last year, isn't that pretty damaging for the ACC? Oh, for sure. I mean, oh, yeah. In the same way, like that's we're, that's a, we're, we're we're hurtling rapidly toward a future where we're just talking about two conferences, but you know, and everyone else is getting half as much revenue every year as you know compared to those two conferences. Well, they don't deserve any more. <laughs> if you if those well, two are that much well, better, t- more popular. Well, uh, well you know? no, or the or the, the teams that really want more will leave the conferences. Right. Like that's that's probably what we're really moving towards. Is you know if the, they can, the, if the, if they can find a way out, and you know they got some pretty good law schools in those places. But but that's where yeah, I think I think Tennessee could make a statement, not just as maybe mm-hmm. they're the third best team in the league, right. which. When you think about a year ago, you know, we, we didn't seem close to a future where Tennessee was the third best team in the SEC, but they could be, they in, could be. in the conversation with, with, with a big win this weekend. That's why, yeah, that's why AM play this week. This, this who's what? Uh, it's App, right? They got App and then they, yeah, got, they got, got Miami next App week. State. Yep. Uh, Apple put up some points. Um, I believe, I believe uh, Drew, you can correct me on this. Miami, re- Miami Texas re- A&M next week is a night game. I remain unimpressed by Texas A&M's offense. So far, yeah, yeah. you're right. I think yeah. Miami could win that game. Let's get to our final break of hour number one. Come on in and join us, 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline as we continue on the Thursday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Final few minutes of hour number one. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Brett is up. Hey, Brett. Hey, guys. Uh, Justin, I believe you hit the nail on the head there about Kentucky. Um, uh, not so good Auburn team. If Bo Nix doesn't get hurt, could have taken last year's Kentucky schedule and possibly gone 10-2, and two, at least 9-3 and three in the regular season. Oh, 100%. Kentucky, Kentucky had nine regular season wins against teams that had losing records. I mean, that, that's almost... Unbelievable for an SEC team to be able to win nine games and not beat a team that has a winning record. And I'm not talking about winning record as in you're playing top ten teams all the time. I'm talking about even your you know scrub teams who are playing a different conference and don't don't even play big you know big boys. Yeah, it's 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 like I I'm not going to take anything away. Really, from what Mark Stoops is, because Kentucky football used to be terrible. Oh yes, and to get to this point has been great for them, obviously. But like when people, I think people can kind of overstep in their praise sometimes of Kentucky because it's like, all right, I need them to go beat a good team, a team that you know is not only going to be ranked, but probably will finish the season ranked because it hasn't happened in a very long time, not at least in SEC play. Now they did have some good wins in bowl games and stuff like that, but. This is uh yeah well, this is a completely and, different and, monster. In Kentucky's defense, the only team in the East that's been able to be like the you know consistently in the top ten year in and year out over the last few years has been Georgia, and you know it's been wins over Georgia are tough. But it, you know I, I do think there's been a rush to 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 praise Kentucky because it's so much better than the average, even if it's maybe not as, as great as people say. Well, Dan, being in the top ten is a lot different than just having a winning record. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying winning record. A six and seven Auburn team beat two teams with winning records last year. Yeah, and and I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, they did when they beat Florida in 2018. That was a good Florida team, and it was in the swamp. So if they do that again, 
Okay, that will be the yeah. second time. That will be the second time. There. I can give a little bit more respect, but yes, they they have they've made great progress. They're recruiting better. They're producing more NFL talent. That's all. That, I mean, they are, they are a legitimate good program in the SEC East now. But um, I think we talk about Kentucky a little differently if they were playing the schedule. Yeah, yeah, Auburn or Ole Miss are having to play. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right, Brett. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Auburn got wins over a ten win Ole Miss team and a nine win Arkansas team. Yeah, I mean, not just not just seven and six teams, right? A a lot of teams can play one or two real good games against real good competition. Heck, the the team that uh, Auburn team that went three and nine came within a touchdown of beating a team that won 10 games and a team that won 11 games. I mean, yeah, it, 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 either way, I, I wish Auburn could get Kentucky every year and put Texas A&M, uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss, or whoever else on, on the one out of no, two out of every 10 years or whatever it is. Well, no, and I think it it boils it boils down to beating Georgia too for Kentucky. Like I, I think that wins over, especially in the state of the East over the last few years, because you've had an up and down Florida program, you've had a Tennessee program that's starting to bounce back. Uh, Missouri and South Carolina have moments, but I mean, re- really, the you know the, the way you you establish yourself as legitimate in the East is, is you gotta you gotta be competitive against the University of Georgia and uh, you know of. of to take nothing away from Kentucky and what they've done, and I want to see what happens this Saturday night in Gainesville. Uh, that, that's that's one that's one hill they haven't climbed yet. Appreciate the call, Brett. Jeremy, hang on, we've got to get to our top of the hour break. You can be up, uh, yeah, you can be up first. We'll get him because we'll give David Pascal a few minutes to recover from wrapping his show up, which he's doing right now. So if you want to, Jeremy, hang on, we'll get to you first. Then we'll uh, check in with David Pascal for our weekly visit with him. Stick with us. Hour number two coming up. Here on the Thursday Drive. W294AR Auburn, WGCCHD3 Waverly, Auburn Opelika's sports leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in. It's hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, uh, Drew at the controls. As uh, we're just getting underway here in hour number two, should be a fun hour number two. We'll check in with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press in just a few minutes. But uh, first, let's let you know that hour number two of the drive is brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. We'll be heading to the Kia of Auburn hotline to speak with David, but uh, first we're going to get a call, and uh, after we 
get through with these. Uh, we will talk to Matt, then we'll spend some time with David Pascal. You can give us a call at 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. You can also uh, check out the podcast of the Drive. However, you get your podcast, also presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Just search for the Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform, or go to the podcast center at radioalabama.net. As we said, uh, we'll check in with David Pascal here in a couple of minutes. He's just wrapping up his show there in Chattanooga. So while we've got a couple of minutes, let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline and Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. Got two things I want to talk about. First, the AD search. Um, two names that pop up in my head is Max Rogues. I know he signed a 10-year deal with Baylor, but he hit two home runs back-to-back with hiring Matt Rule and then Dave Aranda. He, uh, he knows how to hit a home run when he's hiring a, uh, a football coach to just about that name, I and mean, I know the ten-year contract may be an issue with that. But also, I, this may be more of a stretch. How about maybe less need with the Rams? I don't know if he'd ever come, but uh, just thinking about that. And then, um, what do you guys think about the uh, comparison of Jeremy Johnson and TJ Finley? Uh, they well, they're both tall. I mean, that's the closest thing I can think. Jeremy was more. I, I thought Jeremy was. More athletic, he was a little more, more mobile. mobile. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy was a great basketball player. Remember, he was almost Mister Basketball in the state after being Mister Football. Yeah. Wasn't there a and criticism? Jeremy, of, wasn't there a criticism of Jeremy though for locking into one receiver? There that, was. That's one. Uh, thing yeah, where there was. But, but but uh, I don't know. I just don't see. I don't see a lot of Jeremy when I when I see TJ. I mean, they're just they're big. They're big guys, big tall guys with strong arms. But I, I actually thought Jeremy was a more polished passer coming out of high school than oh, TJ. Oh, he definitely was. Yeah, and one of the better quarterbacks Auburn's ever signed out of high school. Um, whereas CJ was a guy that you know wasn't a big name recruit and and got thrown into the fire. It's different situations, but we'll we'll, we'll see we'll we'll see how it ends up with uh, with, with TJ. Um, I think he might be in a little. I think he's in a situation where yeah, it's like. You know, in fifteen, so much was riding on Jeremy. He had mm-hmm. so much hype around him. Uh, I think. Oh, I mean, there were talk, people talking Heisman before he right. stepped out there. Completely think, different situation here. With, was the with fit? Was the TJ. fit a problem with 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 Jeremy? You know, in the fit to the offense. I think Gus it, tried to make it fit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. Gus was like really set on getting. He was a determined that he was going to change the style of quarterbacks that he had, and he needed to, right? Yeah, because the game was going to change. But I don't think the timing just never really worked. No, out. no, it didn't. No, it's to his question about the the AD search. Less Less Needs name was mentioned, um, you know, last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's an Auburn grad. He's the general manager of the Super Bowl. Champions. I know, I know. I mean, I, I, mean, I mean, unless he just really wanted to come back yeah. to his alma mater. I mean, I think those would be guys that if you can get them, like right, like if you could get but, Mac Rhodes, you know, who like you said just signed a ten year deal at Baylor and and seems to be pretty happy. With his current situation, although there is some conference uncertainty, with, there with, is. With, with I mean, Taylor. he's never been. He's never been. Well, yeah. He, well, he was at Missouri, but just before was it just before they got into the SEC? What, what year do you have him at Missouri? Uh, 20, no, no, sixteen. They yeah, were, okay. Fifteen, so, sixteen. They're SEC. So was in the SEC. So that, that so he does have some experience. Yeah, he, he was an SEC AD for for a couple of years, and, and and it does seem like he's done a good job, sort of writing. The oh, ship. he's done a very good job. Well, and, and that was and that was a you know situation dealing with the. Although he did inherit a he inherited an excellent basketball coach. Right. Be, you know, he's the, 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 the football coach is working out Aranda and Matt Rule, uh, but but he did inherit a great situation. But but no, I think if if Mac Rhodes wanted 
to to uh, you know w- wanted to move on. I think he would be a, a strong candidate based on what he's done. Uh, but there are reasons why he would want to stay at Baylor as well. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, appreciate the call, Matt. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get back to your calls after this outgoing call, which uh, we're, we're we're thankful that our good friend. David Pasco from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga uh, joining us here on the Kia of Auburn Hotline. David, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm enjoying y'all's Jeremy Johnson conversation because he had a heck of a opener that year against Arkansas, and I think that's where all the Heisman was built when when Nick Marshall was suspended that one game or whatever, and and just never never quite could recapture that moment. No, and uh, I mean. I guess folks are just trying to pull some comparisons, trying to figure, you know, who this is like. Um, and, you know, we talked about it. One of the things, and, and we'll obviously get into quite a few other games. want to get that with you. But one of the things that Jeremy had a problem, Jeremy did have problems at times locking in and, and putting the ball up for grabs. T.J. Finley really had not been turnover prone, um, you know, in, in his in his time playing with Auburn, he only had one interception last year that came in the Alabama game after he was injured. Uh, he did throw two Saturday, and that's something that uh, uh, can can quickly change you being at the top of a depth chart. It can, and of course, Ashford made the most of his his time in there. That was a interesting game because yeah, obviously y'all went through it the the weather delay, and I guess you come back and score relatively soon, and it's forty two seven. So the forty two sixteen's a little misleading it's just in a league that had a lot of big wins when you think of what georgia did Mm -hmm. to oregon and and what florida especially did to utah number seven at the time uh you know beating mercer kind of ranks down the chart yeah Yeah, i'll I'll still go back to what i said last week i'm just not a huge fan of of playing uh mercer and san jose state out of the gate because it just leaves you with nine really good teams in your last 10 games it does but but when you've got a situation, I think like Auburn does at quarterback, it's a great opportunity for you to see how T.J. Finley responds after throwing those two interceptions and how Robbie Ashford, can he take that next step and run the entire offense, you know, before the game is decided like it was last week. Yeah, I guess just with Finley, though, you're kind of far along career-wise to be taking the old baby steps thing as far as you know considering he played at LSU he played at Auburn last year you want to I don't know I just I just think that it leaves the back end too too challenging and but we'll see we'll see how it uh, you know if everything falls into place Auburn will have a much better team to take that schedule on I have to imagine you got similar concerns with Ole Miss, right? I mean, they start the season with Troy, and then they got Central Arkansas, and then uh, is it is it uh, it's Georgia Tech and Tulsa are the, the first four weeks of the season. And, and I know Georgia Tech is a Power Five opponent, but I mean that that, that that is uh, I mean there's a pretty serious upgrade when they start playing SEC teams. It is, but like you said, I mean you know Penn State, Georgia Tech. That's not a that's not a fair. Uh, yeah, they're power five in name. That's the only thing they have in common is being power five. And then you think about who Auburn plays in the East every year, Georgia, and who Ole Miss plays in the East every year, Vanderbilt. So <laughs> right. I just think Ole Miss's schedule is significantly lighter than Auburn's because of the, like I said, Penn State and Georgia versus Georgia Tech and Vandy. That's, that's not even a conversation piece. Speaking of Georgia, I mean, what an impressive performance by Stetson Bennett and the Bulldogs last week. I expected them to win. 
I didn't expect it to be as one-sided as Saturday was. Nobody did. I mean, even their Tate Ratledge, their starting right guard, was just like we we had no idea we could. I mean, just when you think, like you said, we think about opening games and typically penalties. There might be an early turnover, but for them to be, you know, seven for seven with touchdowns through their first seven possessions, and you know they they signed that punter from Australia, the Thorson kid, and everybody was kind of curious how he would do because they had Jake Carmada uh, for what seemed like ten years. And uh, this kid, this punter's just sitting on the sidelines <laughs> with a clean uniform, and he finally gets to punt. And it's a fifty-three yarder, and I thought it was really funny because he came out on Twitter this week and posted game one takeaway: Stetson Bennett hates Australians. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I um, we were talking about this a little earlier. Uh, love to get your thoughts as to obviously one game. You can't you can't get too carried away with what you see in one game, but but any teams that um, that you think hmm, maybe they're a little better than I thought, or 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 they've got some work to do to be as good as I thought. I think it's one of those where you're like you think about the two new head coaches and how Billy Napier. I mean, at the at the very worst, it looked like. Uh, Utah was going to take that game into overtime. I mean, they got the ball at the six-yard line. They're either going to win it or send it into overtime. And what do they do? They throw across the middle late, which we've seen can be uh, very perilous. But you've got Florida in front of 91,000 at the Swamp that are just absolutely tickled. And then you've got a night later, LSU, with just the way that calamitous ending. I mean, you have a field goal blocked and an extra point blocked. So the the two teams with two new coaches are going through just two wildly different emotions right now. But, you know, it's one of those things, and I asked him about it yesterday on the teleconference, it's just a staggering stat when you think that Billy Napier now for his career is now 17-3 and in one-possession games. I mean, you've got to figure most every coach is going to have a record somewhere close to 500 in one possession game, but Billy Napier is seventeen and three now. He's the anti Scott Frost, who I think He's is the like anti Scott Frost exactly. Five like and twenty one. There you go. That's <laughs> it. I mean, would, I mean, would you rather win eighty five percent of your games like like uh, Napier's doing, or nineteen percent like Frost? And, and keep in mind, they were, but you know, you're talking about two coaches that were have been very much revered as up and coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scott Frost was your national coach of the year after they beat Auburn and finished the undefeated season in 17. You got Napier, you know, a two-time Sunbelt coach of the year. Uh, you know, wasn't as big of a name as Frost, but isn't it just wild how with close games and, you know, you think about who Florida's playing this week in Kentucky, you know, early on, Mark Stoops was a coach of a 2-10 team. Now he's won 10 games a couple of times. How's he done it? You know, after his first two years, they struggled in close games, but he's been 24-12. and 12. Uh, in close games after his first two years. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I know it's the old cliche game of inches, but man, Napier seems to be just owning close games. Hey, you mentioned Kentucky, Florida. That's one of quite a few interesting ball games this week. I mean, the, the one that's getting the most national hype is, is Alabama, Texas, but that's, that's way on down the list as far as I'm concerned in really interesting games that I think we're going to get some from. And and I, I think you can start with Kentucky-Florida. Yeah, I think if you are a couch potato, this this Saturday is kind of your dream. Because if, I, if I'm using Auburn time, Auburn kickoff times, you've got, 
You've got Bama, Texas at, at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Tennessee Pitt at 2.30. That is easily your biggest game in that window. Uh, you've got you've got Florida, Kentucky at 6, and then at 9.15, you've got Baylor, BYU, which isn't, that's two ranked teams as well. So the only one of those four games that isn't ranked versus ranked is actually Alabama, Texas. Texas isn't ranked, but um, no, I think Florida, Kentucky – it's kind of how you frame it, isn't it? I mean, Florida's won 33 of the last 35, uh, but Kentucky's won two of the last four, including last year. So, I, I, you know, that's a game that early on, I think a lot of people have probably flipped on that one. Uh, you know, this time, certainly a month ago and even a week ago, you probably liked Kentucky. But, you know, with that game being in the swamp and with Anthony Richardson, you know, just showing the talent that he has, uh, I kind of like Florida by a touchdown in this one. I think I think Napier improves to eighteen and three in one possession game. Yeah, this would be a big spot for Kentucky to uh, to continue their recent success after going thirty one years uh, without beating uh, the Florida Gators. You know, there's another game at eleven a.m. Yeah, it is. I that, think it's more interesting that, than the, the Alabama Texas game. I just have this, even though they struggled against Georgia State. Uh, I I think South Carolina is going to bring the fight uh, to Arkansas, and that and that could be a competitive game throughout. What do you think? Yeah, Dan, I, I agree. I mean, it's one of those that, like, I guess I should say um, I don't have a great feel for it because we're still kind of early. Um, you think about how South Carolina finished last season, and, I, and, and not to take anything away from Shane Beamer because he certainly exceeded all expectations. But, um, you know, he beat a Florida team that had mailed it in. He beat a he beat an Auburn team that was trying to adjust without Bo Nix. Uh, I, South Carolina clearly caught some breaks. So I'm not sure if across the board they're quite as quality as Arkansas. I mean, so it wouldn't surprise me if Arkansas won a, a two-touchdown game here. But, um, yeah, I'm certainly certainly intrigued by it. Again, you know, it's kind of one of those things you've kind of – these last few games dating back to last year, you doubt Shane, Shane Beamer at your own peril. But, yeah, they, they were not – I mean, they had to have a huge – couple of huge special teams plays to put away Georgia State, but, I mean, Auburn needed a fourth and nine to put away Georgia State, and Tennessee in the 2019 opener couldn't play, you know, couldn't put away Georgia State. Who does North Carolina scheduling, by the way? They open at Appalachian State (laughs) and at Georgia State. These two-for-one deals are really weird when you got to play these teams on the road. Uh, That's the ACC. I mean, I I just can't figure that out. I mean, you had... Uh, was it Virginia Tech at Old Dominion too? I mean, so you've yep, got yep. got crazy got State, some crazy yeah. things going on there in the ACC. Is George could George State win that game outright in in uh, in Atlanta? I know the, at the former at, at the former Turner Field uh, where where it's uh, now now their home their home stadium. That's where they play North Carolina this week. That's right. Yeah, that, that's that's the uh, that's the home field. They, they've converted the, uh, uh, the the old the old former Turner Field there in Atlanta right. into the into their home stadium. They've got North Carolina there. Almost beat South Carolina last yeah, week. Gene Chiswick needs to uh, tighten that defense up a little bit. I'd say so too. That that game was just drunk. I, I couldn't believe it. Nuts. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Hey, I'd love. I want really want to get your thoughts. The the Tennessee Pitt game. I think. Somebody was saying the the over the number the over the over under is sixty seven. How can it not go over? Pitt's offense. Yeah, you know, Pitt's offense yeah, isn't I, quite as explosive as they were. I last know they're year. not, but I, I, don't, I don't know how Tennessee good Tennessee's bring, defense is. Yeah, yet. Tennessee will bring it for everybody else. I think. Yeah, and you know how those over unders work. I, you know, last year that that Tennessee Ole Miss game. I mean, you know, going into that, everybody's like, "God, oh, you're right." Stop the other one. I, I want to say that over under is close, close to around 80. I mean, that was mm-hmm. like a, 
Mount West line or something. And, you know, and it was 31-26. It never got close to it. Um, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, it's interesting on multiple fronts. One, uh, in last year's game, Tennessee's running backs never got going. Jabari Small rushed for 18 yards. Jalen Wright's 15 yards. Pitt finished sixth in the country in run defense last year. Well, last Thursday night in the in the backyard brawl, they gave up 190. So you're just kind of like, okay, what happened there? Does Pitt not have the same run defense? Because if they don't, then Tennessee will just absolutely capitalize on that. Because as much as you talk about Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman, they're they're kind of like Malzahn when you think about the the 13 team. I mean, he wanted to establish Mason early and often, and that's the way Heifel is with his running back. Um, and then the other thing I'm really curious about is with with Pitt's defense, um, you know, in the Tennessee tempo, last year, the second game of the year, Tennessee had only been doing this for one game. Now they've been doing it for 14, and they're a lot more seasoned in what they're doing. So I like Tennessee going up to win this game. What scares me, though, is you've got Pitt at home, and they were a four-and-a-half-point underdog to begin with, and now it's jumped up to a full touchdown. So I'm not that that seven line scares me. I, I don't know if Tennessee wins by more than a touchdown. So I, I think Tennessee wins, but I would certainly stay away from that from a gambling aspect. Pitt had a Pitt had a 27 point quarter against uh, against Tennessee. So 27 points in the second quarter in that uh, in that right. game last year. David, I want yeah, and that was. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on what it could potentially be the dumbest game of the day, and it's the last one. Uh, uh, Mississippi State <laughs> at Arizona. That's a 10 o'clock central kickoff uh, in Tucson. Um, uh, Arizona might you're be better. Pack, than, you taking yeah. the Pac-12 team, Justin? No, oh, no. Arizona might be better than people expect. They're at home, but like I think State's a double-digit favorite in this one, and, and I, I, I would imagine that uh, Mike Leach is going to be ready to for a Pac-12 team. Yeah, and of course he played them six times when he was at Wazoo, and 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 went two and one in Pullman and two and one against them uh, in Tucson. And and the reason I know this is I looked it up after his appearance on the SEC teleconference. I don't know if y'all ever get on it, but you know Mike Leach can just be so bizarre as we all know. And he was just asked about Tucson and his history with it, and he's like, "Well, you know, they're visiting locker room. It's just okay. Uh, you know, he just has all this random stuff about it, but." Uh, I think they play well. I, I, I just think they're a tough team for, I think Will Rogers is, is, you know, the guy has the game that he has last week and he's ticked off about it saying how poorly he played. So I could see Mississippi State going over there and pulling a 45-28 and pulling the number. Hey, it's it's going to be a fun weekend, David. I know we've we've kept you for a while, but I mean it's uh, it's great getting your thoughts and your insights. Um, for, before we let you go, let everybody know what what you've got coming up and how they can follow everything. Yeah, timesfreepress.com for the articles and ESPN Chattanooga uh, for the radio. And, yeah, what I've got coming up tomorrow is a long ride to Pittsburgh. <laughs> What's the weather look like? Oh, it's supposed to be nice. Oh, that's I, I good. Went to a Braves, I went to a Braves-Pirates game at Three Rivers about 30 years ago, and it was foggy and drizzly. And I was like, dang, every time I see a picture of Pittsburgh, it looks really pretty. I just caught a real foggy day. So, yeah, the weather's supposed to be really, really nice. So looking forward to the trip because I've heard – you know, it's been a while since I've been up through West Virginia. That's pretty country, so just a different place. I know Auburn got to experience that with Penn State last year, mm-hmm. and, and and that's what makes these things kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Well, well, great. I hope, hope everything goes well and you have a great trip. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Enjoyed it, guys. You guys take care. All right. David Pascal joining us. 
Uh, and yeah, he, he always. Yeah. I, we, we will we will learn something every time we spend a little time with yeah, David. So, so much fun talking with David Pascoe. If you missed any of that, check out podcasts of the drive. However, you listen to your podcast presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Need to get to our first break of hour number two. Phone lines are open. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, while we got a little bit of time, let everybody know what's going on and uh, what's coming up on the Observer. You mentioned a little early on, yeah. but catch everybody up. Yeah, so bu- busy week. Uh, had the film room on Monday on the quarterback, so a lot of numbers and a lot of film clips from TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford. You can check out there. That was on Monday. Did a story on Tuesday on the three areas where Auburn's defense needs to tighten up the most from week one to week two. Um, did a story on the running game for Auburn, uh, the one-two punch, or as TJ Finley called it, the one-one punch between uh, TJ uh, between uh, Tank Bigsby and um, Jarquez Hunter. And then we did the uh, podcast today previewing the San Jose State game. Got a huge mailbag out tomorrow about the quarterbacks and the San Jose State game. There's a lot of stuff. We'll have over the weekend, Sunday will be a busy day with the observations and and the and the uh, post game recap as well. So, whole lot of stuff. AuburnObserver.com, six dollars a month, or sixty dollars a year. Everything I just said for next week will get emailed into your inbox, uh, and then you can check it out on our website. And uh, you know, to the defense, the the biggest concern in most people's mind going in was the linebacker opposite Owen Popo and Cam Riley was great. Cam Riley was fantastic. And I think I had a question this week. It was like, why didn't why didn't Owen why didn't Owen have a bigger game? It was like cuz Cam was getting every other tackle out there. But uh yeah, fantastic game from Cam Riley playing like you would expect a big dude who runs and hits hard to, mm-hmm. to do and if he keeps that up that's going to be a really good sign. I thought thought Auburn's front front seven, front six, whatever you want to call it, um did a really good job of um you know, in, influencing the game like you should against an FCS opponent. I think the real concerns about Auburn on defense happen because of some of those big plays they gave up on third downs or, you know, the through the air. There were some more third and longs, and yeah, those third things long, drive you crazy. And you got to tighten up. Most of them happened when there were younger guys, newer guys on the field. So you live. I thought the top four corner, uh, the top four DBs from Auburn that came back, kind of that core group did well. Um, but this week, San Jose State. Uh, Siobhan Cordero is not necessarily an accurate passer, a super consistent one, but he hits some big plays downfield, and he's got a six-four, six-year wide receiver uh, playing with him as well. So uh, there's a lot to like about uh, that combination. If you're San Jose State, Auburn's got to do a good job of not only pressuring Cordero but getting him down, and then just being sticky because Cordero will scramble. He will try to get uh, get those some of those guys loose downfield. The first first guy I wanted to talk about when I appeared on Justin's podcast over the weekend. Oh, by the way, I was on the I was on yeah, the was. podcast uh, over the weekend. But the first defense player I want to talk about was Eku. I, I just I just and, thought Eku yeah, Leon had, was all had, over had, the field. had a sensational game right there with with Cam Riley. We'll talk a little bit more about about defensive players mm-hmm. uh, and and who you could see more who could see more of uh, moving forward as the uh, as the season goes on. Yeah. Right now, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Plenty of time for you to join in as we head into the final half hour of the Thursday Drive.
live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes or so here on this Thursday afternoon with Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson. Let's get back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Jerry is up next. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Hanley High Tigers, who are ranked number two in the state in 4A, who played Jacksonville last week, who was number four. And uh, Hanley won 54 to 41. And wow. our, our running back, Jay Haynes, rolled up 476 yeah. yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, I was I watched the highlights of that the other day. Jason Caldwell, when we were in the when we were in the media room the other day, called it up and he was like, "Watch this!" and it unbelievable. And for him to do that again against a pretty good team uh, was, I yeah. mean, yeah, there's. I always, I always enjoy on Friday nights going through and like seeing the final scores across the state, and that one caught my eye because you usually don't see two high scoring game, uh, two both teams having a high scoring. But yeah, that stat line was just remarkable uh, to to hear about, and that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's that's a half a season for a good player. Yes, exactly, and <laughs> and it was just he just it, the the highlights are great because I mean it was just he just ran by everybody. Um, but yeah, phenomenal game. Yeah, and uh, that's the second highest total in Alabama history. Really? And, uh, yeah, and he also that. caught a pass for thirty yards. I did see that. Him over, put him over five hundred yard total offense. Yeah, no, that was it was, it was a it was a wild wild uh, stat line, and there, you know, I'll say this to tie this uh, to tie this in as well. It's a great line, uh, Auburn fans. If you have not been paying attention to what Jeremiah Cobb's doing at uh, Montgomery Catholic this year. Um, he's putting up not not these kind of numbers, but Cobb's had like I think several two hundred yard games, like four or five touchdowns as well. So there's some there's some really really good talent uh, in the state, especially around here at the running back position. So yeah, a bit, and a big one for Hanley, who you know continues to be one of the best teams of that of that uh, of that region. Yeah, my, I think uh, Catherine Montgomery's the number one ranked team. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. And, and Cobb's Cobb's gotten off to a great a great start this year uh, running the ball. I hope we can get uh, Jay Haynes. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be very interested to see what's what, his size. Yeah, um, I don't he's know. A, he's about six one one ninety. Hmm, that's plenty big he enough. He won the he won the elite camp at Auburn and ran a four four. Well, that, those are those are all really really good numbers. I mean, not near as not near as good as four hundred seventy six yards in a game. But I mean, if you're that's, if you're six amazing. if you're over six feet tall, one hundred ninety pounds that can run, and obviously it's not just straight ahead when you're when you're running for that kind of yardage, uh, you've got to be able to move as well. Well, Coach Strain compared him to T.J. Yeldon. Hmm. It's hmm. a good. That's an interesting. That's an interesting cop uh, for sure. And yeah, I'll be interested. Yeah. To, I'll be interested to see like if he puts up more no- games like that, he's going to get attention from somebody, you know, in terms of, oh, yeah. in terms of that. So it'll be very interesting to see how he kind of develops uh, as a process. Because there's always stories like that. These guys in their junior and senior years, mm-hmm. when they blow up, a lot of people it, it just takes a few games like that to get to get noticed. 
Well, and he didn't play that much last year because Hanley had Tay Meadows. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, who's at Troy now. Yep, yep. I, I do remember that recruitment. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, big, big. <laughs> those, those numbers are, every time you think about it, like 476 is just wild to think about in a single game for, for a high schooler. All right, guys. Have a good day. Hey, thanks for the call, Jerry. We haven't talked too much about the running backs from uh, from our university uh, sure. on, on Saturday night. I thought Tank Bigsby looked uh, as good as he's looked. You want to hear some? You want to hear some stats related to that? Lay, lay it on me. Tank Bigsby had, you could argue, the best running back performance of anybody in FBS in Week One. His EPA, which is context stats, like advanced stats, far and away the best running back in FBS in Week One. Um, also. Uh, broke more tackles than any other running back did in week one of the season. And then the second thing, Jarquez Hunter, one of only four players to have three rushing touchdowns uh, in week one of the college and, football and season. A lot, and a lot of them, he couldn't run any farther because he was right there at the goal line. But, I mean, his first touchdown, Ooh, first one was nice. really, nice, really nice move. Well, but I thought Tank Tank looked quicker than I've ever seen him. Tank, looked, Tank looked really, really good. And, uh, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, you're hoping that the blocking – Develops and picks up because you would love to have that tank against Penn State and LSU and Missouri and some of these teams you've got coming up. Um, I thought both those guys looked fresh. They looked they looked really reinvigorated. I think from from the off season and and more importantly, Auburn made a concerted effort to just give those guys the ball. Mm-hmm. Almost two thirds of Auburn's snaps on on Saturday were carries. You can do that against a team like Mercer. You're going to want to be more balanced moving forward. But like when you talk off off season, like we are going to build this thing around the running game. These are where our, this is where our talent is, and then to go out and actually do it, it's a good sign. What did you think of the? There have been, there have been some very differing opinions about the uh, the jet sweep option with uh, do it with Robbie. I loved it. I it's thought I thought play. show something, but. I, but there were people like, don't show something like that. Save it for later. No, I'm you like, got to make them think show about that it. and make them think of all the other things you could do off. That. I bet you see. I bet you see it on Saturday, and I bet you see a new variation off of it. Because there's so many run that a pass. Come off of mm-hmm. it. Run a pass out of it. Run a pass I mean, I mean, off of it. Run an inside inside read off of you it. You run a double off of it. Run a screen off of it. Let let Robbie keep it on the sweep. Let let Robbie keep it and run. Let it be a rushing attempt out of out of the out of the sweep. If they th- if they're so certain he's going to give it up and, and pitch it to Tank, I thought well, that's that, why you pitch it because to yeah. try to get them off of him. Exactly. And now, now they might be overplaying Tank, and there might be a lane for Robbie yeah, Ashford in that situation. And Mercer in that situation, two guys they weren't expecting two guys to be on that side of the field. It should have just been one, and you make the read. So what they did was both of those Mercer guys went to uh, Robbie because I don't mm-hmm. think they were expecting a triple option out of that set. They weren't expecting the pitch, so both of those go after him. You have that pitch option. Moving forward, you know, if there's just one guy out there, what do you do? If there, you know, if there's two again, do you do something different? You can fake that and run play action out of it. You could have TJ keep it instead of handing it to Robbie, and you could run a passing play. I mean, there's any number I of think, things you can do in those situations. I, I, mean, that, that is... I think another thing you could do is you have um, so you've already established you can do that pitch option there with with TJ, with a with Tank. You sweep it, and instead of leaving Tank behind for that option. Just do a little stutter step and let him leak behind whoever whoever that is, and just all Robbie's got to do is just toss it over his head. Mm-hmm. A wheel, you can, you can almost yeah, re- you can wheel, you can, wheel yeah, you can wheel out of the backfield. You could stutter, you? double move, delay, or something like mm-hmm. that to get to get him up there. There's so many different things to do that, and so you play it so people got to prepare for it, right? That's the thing. Is like 
Penn State is going to have to prepare. Even if they don't run it this week, Penn right. State's going to have oh, to prepare yeah. for it. They know. And uh, so that sort of leads into, so what did you feel? Uh, uh, you know, I know it's game one and you're not showing everything, and Brian Harson said as much, but how did you feel about the play calling? I thought the play calling was good. I thought it was pretty pretty varied. Um, I think when you know you're not going to throw the ball a ton in a game, um, coming in you're going to run it more, get your wide receivers involved in their, in their running game, ton of motion, ton of stuff. It's just creative. You know, there's a lot of create for a play, for a game plan that's pretty straightforward. I thought you saw some creativity. Mm-hmm. That's agree. what they're going to have to be. And I and I t- and I said this earlier in the week, but like that offense, the the base of it, the the foundation of it, um, that's Boise State. That's that's Brian Harson. Like that's that's getting back in your bag from the Boise State days where you had to run it. You could run any formation, any personnel grouping, any type of play, any type of variation, all this motion. Because that's what Auburn's going to have to do, especially when you play teams down the road that are going to be more talented than you. You got to be able to out scheme, outsmart, and stuff like that. And I think that's part of what brought Brian Harson to Auburn. I thought that was part of what his appeal is, and so he needs to, you know, kind of do that again. And and with Harson, you saw at Boise State there were tight ends that would play receiver and fullback, and that was part of the reason they were able to move that around. They got a few of those. I mean, this year, right? I mean, you got you got a couple of Swiss Army knives. You saw some tight end playing fullback uh, on on Saturday, and uh, and yeah, I thought I thought you made a good point, Justin, about the uh, about what we what's different from last year to this year, and this year at least through the first game being a little bit more reminiscent of what what Brian Harson was trying to accomplish at Boise State with the uh, with the with the different formations and and the pre snap movement. 334-321-1390. And let's get back to the phone. And Sherry is next. Hey, Sherry. Hey, I was wondering if you can tell me how many receivers for Auburn played on uh, the Mercer game. Uh, I thought I thought Moore would play. And do you think Moore will play for this San Jose State game? Yeah, he was out there. It just they, they didn't, just didn't get, get a target. They just didn't get a target. There were I think nine. nine. I think nine was the official did count she, on did it. Did she ask about a specific receiver? Or she asked Coy Moore. Coy Moore. Moore. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, oh, I thought she meant will Moore play like more M O R E. Will more receivers play than that? Maybe she meant Coy Moore. I don't know. But that's I I, <laughs> I, 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 I doubt they'll play more than yeah. nine mini games. Yeah, I don't. I mean, well, might, it, but Brian I would expect Harson, I would expect more M double O R E to play M O R E. But and also Brian Harson said this week, situation. We I feel like I'm doing that's a more in just a minute. It's like <laughs> to the question though, I will Pasta say I will, I will say this to the question though is like one person a lot of people were asking about this week was Landon King. Brian Harson said it straight up. Yeah, we got to get him out there. We got to get him in the field. We got to get him in the rotation wherever we have him. So that's another one to keep it keep an eye on. But yeah. Xavion Capers played in the first quarter. He did. Amari Kelly and Jeff he, he was in the first he was half. the second he was the second guy off the bench as far as receivers are concerned. Yeah, and so I think I think you'll rotate. You just when you only put the ball in the air, you know, twenty something times in a game, and you're doing it between two different quarterbacks. Not a lot of different, like not a lot of different guys out there. But yeah, they got dudes out there. It's just not a lot of them got targets. And of course, when you have Auburn's receivers, I mean, I'm sorry, your running backs and your tight ends. They're going to get the ball in the passing game as well, so not as much. Like I think a lot of people would expect a Cannon Brown to get a catch or something like that in the first game. After what we all heard from him this this off season, you know, maybe not as maybe not as much of an emphasis this time. It's, it's always struck me as kind of interesting that Landon is is in the same position as Chick Dawson and and Var Johnson because he's the size of like those two guys on each other's shoulders. Yeah, like he's I mean, he's he's a slot receiver because. 
he's not an outside receiver, but he's not a slot receiver in the no. fact that he's yeah. not. He's not the super he's quick. An, he's an H. He's an old school like uh, he's an old school H like uh, for Auburn, but like yeah, now they have they have like legit slot receivers. But I, but I think even if Auburn plays a lot of skill guys, there could be a skill position player or two that you're saying, hey, you know, could could there be a larger role for for him coming up? And maybe right now it's it's Landon King. We did not mention that JJ Evans went into the transfer portal. I was going to say that's one thing today. we haven't mentioned today. Yeah, well, a guy who was uh I believe a couple of years ago, whatever he was, your Whatever your JJ was it 2018 was he class of 18 19, I think class 18 or 19 18, 18, he was Auburn's yeah. he was Auburn's top in-state signee yeah. uh, the year that the year injuries that they, really got the him. they signed him in. he had injuries in high school and then and then had a, had some injury problems here never got on the field but um, a guy that's going to have it just wasn't in the rotation really wasn't in the plans at wide receiver and that's what the portal's for go yeah. ahead and. And for him, get a head start. Yeah, ho- hopefully he can find greener pastures somewhere else and yeah. a path to playing time because it did feel like his path to playing time here was pretty blocked by uh, yeah. by, by other players. And he had really good numbers in high school. I was a, was a great oh, receiver yeah. in high school, but the injuries got to him. Like you said, good like six two, got pretty good leaping ability when he's healthy. Like I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll make it work somewhere somewhere else. It was just it was just really hard to see him making that breakthrough. At but all I, but I thought I thought Shedrick and Javarius looked sharp. Um, even, Mal- even Malcolm Johnson, who yeah, I, yeah. I know didn't, get, and that's why he's at the top of the. That's why he's listed as the starter this week. And then I would say with Shed caught his caught the balls, but Shed Jackson and uh, John Samuel Shanker did some work perimeter blocking. Those guys made made some made some really big blocks, sprung some things. Um, and and really taught those guys how to make it happen. Another one, you know, we all everyone's talked about the Robbie Ashford block on the TJ. I mean, on the tank touchdown run there right after the lightning delay. The that was a big thing. Well, go watch Cameron Brown on that play. Cameron Brown just eats a guy on the outside, and, just, and just puts him in the turf. Shedrick talked about the blocking right earlier this week, and, oh, yeah. and so you know, what was it? No block, no rock. Well, no block, no rock. No block, no rock is what the receivers say because if you don't block, you don't get to be on the field. And it's interesting because I think a lot of Auburn fans would would want to see. Not, not that not that Shed Jackson and John Samuel Schenker haven't been productive players in their Auburn careers, but but it sounds like there there's some Auburn fans where oh you know go go to the go to the youth movement right go play. Uh, there, there's play some Camden, that, that the young Camden. guys have got to be yeah, better no play, matter play what. Play Camden, so. play Landon King at receiver instead of instead of uh, John Samuel Schenker, and play Camden Brown at receiver instead of instead of Shed Jackson. There there are some there are some benefits to playing the really experienced guy. And when those are you two, like of your those best. long runs. Somebody's got to be downfield. Doing some work. Yeah, and, that, and that's not to say the young guys couldn't come around, no. but but Shed Jackson and and John Samuel Shanker in particular are well, on, are on the field for for and, a variety and of I think, reasons. And I think Shank, I think Shanker brings you a lot of value as a receiver as well. Um, I thought one of the best passes of the game was that last one that Ashford hit to to um, Shanker in the in the down the seam. Really good ball where you're over a linebacker under safety to the inside of a corner and you just put it where only he got it and Shank made a great play on it and, and moved the chains and so that's you know there's value in that. I think Shedder Jackson is a good safety blanket for you but also he's a great blocker. Um and it's just bring those other guys along. I think you know the Auburn fans that want to see the young guys play and and get to the youth movement I think it's very similar to kind of the situation you're seeing with TJ or with uh, with Robbie Ashford, in the fact that you know it is a youth movement and you, and you want to, you want to see those guys there, but they got to be ready, right? And a lot of them don't have that experience, and these are what these games are for, and they are working their way into it so that by the time Auburn hits the meat of their schedule, if they're ready and they're they've proven themselves to be the best, they can turn it loose. But for now, you lean on the TJ Finleys. 
and the Shed Jacksons and the John Samuel Shakers because they've done it before, and then and then see where you go from there. Although I, I still am, am curious to see you know what what the split looks like with with Tank and Jarquez. Not not that I'm pushing for you know I, I think Tank Bigsby needs to get the ball, uh, but it does seem like they're willing to. And and it would be kind of an interesting wrinkle if Jarquez became more of a a short yardage or goal line or you know if they, if they found opportunities for Jarquez in moments where Tank Bigsby had already set the defense up with long runs and 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 play I, I don't know I think there's a uh, you know there, there's a possibility for this to be uh more balanced or uh, for Jarquez to be more involved than than some folks thought and that would be based on how he looked on Saturday night that'd be a welcome change because uh it you know throughout, throughout conference play uh, you know he, he wasn't uh, he was he wasn't as involved uh last season I know there was, there were injury things too, but he wasn't. But he was playing, right? It wasn't like I mean, when when folks talk about Jarquez Hunter having injury issues, I mean, he, he was getting a couple of carries. Yeah, it wasn't. But you know, what I mean, it would make sense if he'd missed the game completely. Big oh, it was because of injury. But if a guy's getting three or four carries, you know, you you wonder if it's if it's exclusively an injury. But Jarquez Hunter, for whatever reason, you know, excuse, forget about last season. Jarquez Hunter looked outstanding to start. Uh, this season on Saturday night, and I, and I wonder uh, how, how much of that uh, he'll be able to build on as the season goes on. What, what did you think of Jarquez, Justin? I mean, that that was a uh, I thought a pretty welcome development to see him involved and ready to go uh, as soon as the uh, as soon as the first drive was going on. The Jarquez Hunter thing that stood out to me is more than half of his touches came in the red zone. Um, there's going to be a lot of value in a guy that you feel like can be efficient in the most important times you're on the field when Tank Bigsby may need a breather or when you want to change it up a little bit. Um, so for Jarquez, like, I thought his first run, as Bill was saying earlier, was a really, really good run. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, some of, he didn't have as many yards. Well, he, he could only go so many yards. That's right. Two of those they don't give you yards after you hit the goal line. Right. You don't get any more. Right, exactly. Um, but I think that efficiency is that, you know, is, is so that, like, maybe he's not your lead dog. Maybe he doesn't get a giant amount of carries this season but when tank needs a spell or you want to change something up he's they, they rely on him they relied on him on saturday around the goal line and in and in the parts of the field where you got to protect it you got to be ready to go you got to cash in very very efficient uh in his limited opportunities and i think you might see a little bit more of that like tanks a guy you want to get the ball maybe 15 20 a little bit over that times a game and however way you can do that so what what does that leave for jarquez I think the thing with Quez is, is just can you maximize what you do get um, because you're probably not going to get as many yards or as, as many touches as a guy like Tank because, you know, Tank's – this is it for him. He's yep. going to be playing in the NFL next year. Need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us as we wind it down here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Winding things down here on the Thursday Drive. So, Justin, what you're looking for Saturday? Dry weather would be nice. That would be great. <laughs> Lead off of that. Um, looking to see if Auburn's defense can tighten up on some things that they had. Yeah, I wouldn't say struggle with, but some some issues that they want to tighten up uh, from the uh, from the Mercer game and just the quarterbacks. Just how that mm-hmm. that split comes out and how how all that shakes up. Can the offensive line for Auburn, um, you know, have a good game? Because 
here's the thing. San Jose State had, had a lot of issues last week against Portland State. Uh, run, run defense was not one of them. And uh, they were one of the better run defenses in college football last season. Right. Um, so it's, it is going to be a step up in classification from that aspect. I don't know how much more the other spots are, especially if San. Like I, I have a buddy of mine um, who was at that San Jose State game last week, and he said uh, he, he he told me after that game he was like I, I don't know how they're going to block Auburn. It, they could not block Portland State. I don't know how they're going to block Auburn. So that could be where it gets really out of hand. But I will say the Auburn offensive line versus the San Jose State defensive line will be interesting to see. All right, one more time, let everybody know about the Observer. AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month, $60 a year. You get all my newsletters, all of our podcasts. There's something pretty much every day of the week here during football season uh, straight in your email inbox. So sign up there. Thanks, Justin. We'll uh, see you on Saturday. That's going to wrap things up for the Thursday Drive. Dan and I and Drew back with you tomorrow. I hope you'll join us then. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.